Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host, and this is our 500th show. I'm not making a big deal of it, really, per se, but um, because I had my little 10-year celebration there, you know, a, uh, what was that, a month or two ago? But it's funny, I put back on the calendar two years ago, I counted ahead, somewhere around there, I don't know exactly when, but I counted ahead and got to this date, and I put, this is my 500th show, luckily I did my math right, and uh, so I put on the calendar like two years ago that this was going to be a call-in show, so I'm hoping that um, it, I hope you call in, we would like to hear from you, uh, we we are actually going to be putting the number up here in just a minute, but uh, Bill Bill will be standing by, he, I'm going to pull him in until uh, and talk with him until we have you know, people lined up on the phone lines. And so you can call in about uh, basically anything UAP related. I'd like to keep it along the lines of UFOs, UAPs, things like that. We can touch a little bit on abductions, um, but also feel free to call in and ask me questions. Why not? Uh, uh, You know, this 500 show, you would think that I know something about UFOs, but I don't. There's, uh, it's still just, a mystery to me. Um, and I'm still love exploring the mystery and, you know, hopefully we'll find out more as we go along. You know, the more I look into this, as I've said many times, I feel like it's the less I know, but it's still really fascinating to me. And, uh, let's see, Bill, I'm going to be bringing you in a minute, but I want to talk first of all, uh, Charles Lear does a great uh, blog every week. Plus, he does an audio blog from that that's posted up on YouTube. And it's also in the podcast feed. Last week, in the middle of the week, I did a show with Mark Ollie about uh, crystal skulls. And he is an archaeologist. And it was really fascinating. So that's up on the YouTube channel if you want to check that out if you haven't watched it yet. Um, he also talks very casually at the end. I said, oh, you were going to talk about UFOs. And uh, because he has written some books on that. And he just kind of casually said, oh, yes, uh, someone has given me crash material. It's in the garage. So <laughs> I have to find out what that's all about. And I'm um, going to, you know, and I don't know what I think about crash material yet. Um, I don't know if there's enough real strong evidence that what these things are is uh, that they find materials, metamaterials um, is actually from. Uh, an intelligence out there. I, I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. I should put it that way. Um, so anyway, I'd still want to find out what that is. So the blog, getting back to what Charles Lear did this week, a multiple witness UFO abduction. So that's what his blog is on. And it starts out with the Travis Wall in the case and more. So check that out over at podcastufo.com. Uh, also, if you head on over there, you also see that you can support the show and anything you would like to help out with $2 or more a month. Uh, I'm grateful for all that. Thank you for all the people that do support the show. And uh, I do want to tell, I'm getting a text right now from the man himself, uh, James Fox. Um, I've had a conversation with him recently and we're going to be, we're going to be setting up an on location at his house. He moved from California to Vermont. I guess that's no secret. And he, bought this big, huge mega place where he can work on his films. And I think it's a farm in a, in 
Vermont. Really looking forward to going out there, hopefully the first part of May. That will happen. But he did send me a final cut of his video on the Vaho. How do you say that? Vaho? 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 I can't. It's the Brazil case. I've heard about it for years. Pardon me for messing up the name of that, uh, the area where this happened in. It's really an incredible uh, uh, film that he's created. And I got to tell you, if you watch this when it comes out, um, you're going to not be able to say that there's nothing that went on there. After watching it, it was like these people are totally believable. Like He asked me not to reveal too much about it, but there is never seen before testimony that will be in this um, that just really... I watched it with a friend and it blew us both away. It's really incredible. So I don't know if we uh, even have anyone on the line yet. Um, Yes, I got to put up the call in number and I'll do that just in one second here. And here we go. So here is the call in number at 855-472-5483. Bill is standing by. And until we get callers in, um, again, call in about a sighting that you had or sightings, plural, if you'd like um, call in about your experiences and just the UFO topic, whether you've been looking into it for years, how you feel about it, how you feel things are going. I'd like to hear from you. Um, also, if you would like to talk about other things, as long as it's kind of re- related to the UFO world, that's uh, that's why we'd like to touch on topics today. It looks like I can see Bill in the background. Looks like he's already talking to someone on the phone. Um, so there, that's the case. Uh, Logan, thank you very much. Uh, I always have trouble uh, pronouncing it. Var, Varhan, I can't pronounce it. Any, any? Can you help me with that pronunciation? Anyway, you're right about that. It's up on the screen. <laughs> and anyway, uh, and Eve, thank you. I understand about being uh, shy about calling in about your sighting. I totally understand that. And you can totally remain anonymous when you do call in if you would like, but, um, and there's no shame here, nothing to be concerned about. Um, it's funny. I had, uh, yeah, we were getting calls in. So Bill, thank you for that. I'll, I'll get the call in just a minute. Um, you know, there's a UFO researcher that's out there that's been on TV and stuff. And now he talks about a UFO sighting that he had, and why he's part of the pack because he had this UFO sighting when he was on my show, you know, years ahead of that and just saying, yeah, I've never had a UFO sighting. I'm just interested in the topic. You don't need to go that route. If, if you don't be, uh, uh, what I'm getting at is his excuse, according to him was that he was too shy to talk about his UFO experience on a UFO show. So what I'm getting at is don't be shy. You're you can talk about UFO experience. We'd love to hear from you. And there is no shame, nothing to be worried about. And I'm going to bring you in. Bill, you asked me to bring you in. Hi, Bill. Yeah. And uh, also, happy 10th year, KGRA. Yes, that's where what you see behind me, the balloons. Obviously, they're up there somewhere. Can't quite see it. We see balloon strings. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually my birthday on April Fool's Day. Well, so I thought so. Yeah, it's that makes sense. Yeah. It does, doesn't it? But I <laughs> yeah. want to just add, James Fox is always working hard. I mean, he he's is. working extremely hard. Around he's, the clock. It, really? Really? Yeah. Um, 
because I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. He says, Bill, I'm just so busy working on this project. Um, but and you know what? People don't realize James, as you and I have discussed, he has a great sense of humor. He's really funny. Great guy. Yeah. He's a, he's really yeah. a great guy. And Martin, there's other projects that are going to be dropping in the next year or so. So I would advise people just keep an eye out for some of the things that are coming out. Obviously, there's N, uh, NDAs involved. So it's difficult for Martin or I to discuss anything. But trust me, there's going to be a lot of interesting material coming out to the public within a year or so. I am, I can't emphasize enough. You need yeah. to be keeping an eye on all that. Now, when you call in, folks, please mute your backgrounds because I'll be answering the calls. So please mute your, mute your backgrounds when you come on with Martin. And also, as always, as um, there are mods in there, I know Dave's probably in there. Just pl- try to be respectful. Um, and if there's always the agreement to disagree with respect, that would yeah. be my whole thing. Yeah. So, Martin, congratulations on your 500th episode. Well, thank you. And like I say, I'm not making really a big deal of it other than oh, it's no. a call in show. But yeah, I'm plugging along and next week will be 501. So <laughs> no, no, I'm, I, it is kind of a landmark, but I'm not making a big deal of it other than I just wanted a call and show. But James might make a big deal. Just he'll freak out at 701, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That might All be right. nice for the guy. Anyway, folks, call in. The lines are open. We already have a caller on the line. So Martin, have a great show. I am out of here. All right, very good. All right, so we have... Uh, and I'll look to your questions, too. For those of you that do not want to call in, I understand. I'll try to uh, put some questions if you want to post those in all caps. I would appreciate that. So right now, I'm going to be talking to Andy, a regular caller. Andy from Connecticut. Always fun to hear from you. You are live on the air, Andy. Hi. Hi congratulations on uh, on your 500th show. Thank and, you. Uh, I just wanted to, to, to mention... I had a crazy sighting uh, I've never brought up before about two years ago, um, watering my garden at about uh, eight at night in the summer. I looked up and saw a black dot in the sky and it stayed, stayed in place, didn't move at all like a plane or a bird would. So I took out the phone and uh, magnified in on it. And I took 16 pictures in about one minute. And then I magnified in the photo that I had taken and every single photo is a totally different shape uh, object. And it leads me to believe that I think that it's an opening or a portal of some sort. It's not a craft. It's black. It has a white kind of energy perimeter around it. And I, I did report it to MUFON. That never went anywhere. Um, but I'm happy to provide the photos to anybody that, that's interested in them. Um, well, I don't know. How clear are they, Andy? Are they pretty clear? They're pretty clear. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's like an eight megapixel uh, Note twenty cell phone, um, and they're as they're as good as you you can expect. And the final detail I would give that convinces me that it was something bizarre. You know, I'm looking at the open sky. This thing might have been at fifty or sixty thousand feet, and all of a sudden, it just isn't there anymore. It didn't travel across the sky anywhere. Hmm. It's just gone. So that right there leads me to to believe that uh, it's something truly extraordinary. Well, I'll tell you, it, once you get off yeah. the phone with me, 
If you would like to email the, those to martinetpodcastufo.com, I'll look for the email and I'll pop those up in here, you know, and I don't know sure. if you want to uh, call back in later, but I'll, I'll put those up. Uh, if you just feel yeah. free, I'm sure the, uh, and I'll also put those in the show notes um, for the, for this show in particular, if someone would like to sure. check that out. Um, anything it's, else, Andy, you always have really good questions every time you call in anything else or any comments or anything. I can't think of anything right now. Just that uh, I love your show. I used to live in Maine and I've always been a, a new England Yankee and uh, I have a certain affinity. I, I try to try to listen no matter where I am. So you're doing excellent. Well, you've been listening for a long right. time and I really appreciate that yeah. a lot. Yeah. No problem. All right. All right. All right. You take care. Okay. All right. So I see Lou from unidentified celebrity review. Uh, Lou, you, you have a gift to talk, call in 855-472-5483. The line is open. And if I don't hear from someone right away, I'm going to bring back in, uh, in Bill. We're going to be talking a little bit more. And Monica, uh, thank you. Monica has been listening forever to the show. And she also is, uh, oh, the call-in. Yes, I see what you're saying. Uh, you also are a uh, moderator on the on the chat. And all the moderators, she's the only one left. And it's nothing against, uh, we just had a little bit of a moderator breakdown here. So uh, we have just Monica in there now, and I'll be slowly adding uh, people as we as we come along. So, uh, Bill, I'm going to bring you back in, unless we have someone uh, someone calling. Not right now. Okay. Uh, so, Bill, are you there? Yeah, but it's weird. Martin, I think, oh, there we are. I was yeah, I did that. I did no, that. It was yeah. an odd little glitch thing going on. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, but, it was me. I just I just said the full screen for myself. It's just an ego thing. That's all it is. <laughs> but, you know, I've had a couple of, actually, one was documented in 95. I'll never forget it. It was June 10th, 1995. I lived in the Bronx at the time, um, the northeast part of the Bronx. And I seen something out my window at about 11 o'clock at night. It was during a thunderstorm. And it was I, it was a dark thing. I couldn't see it. But it had the five boomerang lights look to it. Now, I don't know if it was a tri- triangular, but it was boomerang. And it was heading right to Central Park where they had been showing Pocahontas. They were doing the fireworks. And then I reported it to Peter Davenport at the time. And he emailed me back a couple of days later. He said, you're not alone. Many people have seen it from New York City up to Hudson to Canada. So I've had my couple of sightings. Another one in Mount Talk, I think it was 1999, which is really interesting, Martin, because when Chris Garitano did the Montauk Chronicles film, yeah, he contacted me because huh. I told him about my story. He says, Bill, I got a clip that was not in the movie. It was a deleted scene. And you're not going to believe it, but a fisherman who's now sadly deceased, um, he seen something in the same area that I was looking, but he was looking from the north to the south. He saw the same thing I did. So I was blown away when Chris sent me that clip because it was the same thing that I seen over the ocean when I was in Mount Talk fishing. So, okay. Hey, just, here, just to let you know, could people be calling someone saying they're calling in and it just rings? Yeah, I was looking at the screen and probably the call of whoever, who was that? Robert? Robert, call back. I'll, ju- uh, I'll, I'll jump off, but I just wanted to, to say that. All yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Call back yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. All right. 
All right, I'm just going to uh, do this thing again, and we'll keep you there. Um, and just let me know when they come in. So, yeah, so people are, uh, and there are, you know, people that are watching right now with this, uh, that I know you would like to talk about your setting. Again, uh, it's a safe place to talk. You can just give a first name. It's not a big deal. And love, I'd love to hear um, your experiences. They're always interesting to me. And I, I find people's UFO stories that are not really involved in the UFO world, so to speak, and may just dabble in it or look into it a little bit. But the reason they're doing that in the first place is because they had a, a sighting. I love to hear those sightings. And it happens quite a bit when I'm out around talking to people and somehow the subject comes up that I do a show on UFOs. And I'm going to say nine times out of 10, it seems that way. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little, but someone will say, oh yeah, uh, well, I had this happen. And some of the most amazing stories that I've heard is, you know, out in a, a ca casual conversation when you're not expecting anything. And I know I told this story before, uh, but I'll, I'll tell it again um, until we get another caller is I was out at the UFO Congress in uh, Phoenix. Uh, I don't know, like four or five years ago. Uh, looks like that'll be continued. Maybe I don't have to talk about that, but we have uh, George. Uh, George is calling from New York. Oh, I'm sorry, Robert. He gave both names. Robert, uh, welcome to the show. You're live on the air. Uh, Robert? Hi, Martin. I just want to thank hi you there. for your content. And uh wondering if you've ever taken the possibility that ancient humanity's past could be related to UFOs. And uh, we'll take the call off, the answer off air. Thank you. Wait a minute. Before you go, are you saying kind of like along the ancient alien type theory? Is that what you kind of mean? Uh, no. Uh, more along the lines of Humanity has been around for like hundreds of thousands of years. And and then have, uh, but in regards to, say, extraterrestrials, is, is there a connection that you're, you're, you're uh, thinking of here? I'm or more thinking of like the theory that UFOs are humanity that survived the Younger Dryas Cataclysm from... Twelve and a half thousand years ago. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting yeah. theories. There's a, you know, there's a lot of interesting theories, and um, you know, after speaking to an astrophysicist one time, he basically said, um, for a culture, uh, an intelligent culture from another planet to line up with our planet developing as an intelligence, the odds of that are like one in a billion, something like that. So not only do we have, um, not only do we have life possibly um, very, uh, something very rare to find us here at this time or a time in the past. Um, it's uh, the time is, is, is just baffling when it comes to how things can line up. So um, I do think that it's very possible that, uh, we could have been visited by an intelligence, you know, even before we started developing 
as a species or developing as any type of mammal, you know, it's very possible that we could have been visited, you know, yeah, a million years ago. Along the works of like Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson, they've basically proven that humanity has been around for a lot longer than our textbooks tell us they had. I kind of, I kind of feel that way myself, but it's only because it just seems like a very short time that we could have developed the way we have. Uh, so I kind of feel that way too, but it's not on based on any science. It's just kind of how it's kind of baffling that we could only be a species of a hundred thousand years as some science uh, proclaims, but thank you so much. I really appreciate your, your call, Robert. We have a, a few people lined up now. Thank you. Take care. All right. Next we have Lou. Lou, are you there? Welcome to the yeah. show. Hey, how are hey, you, Lou? How you so, doing? Congratulations on, a, on 500. Yeah. yeah, again, I'm not making a big deal of it. It's just a call-in show, but thank you very much. And uh, so, Lou, uh, you have uh, your show is doing really well. I'm very happy things have panned out uh, the way they have for you. Unidentified Celebrity Review is what um, Lou does. And, and um, you got over here at KGRA Radio as well. So, uh, so thanks for calling in. How's everything going for you? Man, everything's going not too shabby. I mean, it's, it's been a rough couple of weeks over here. Um, uh, you know, after our, uh, interviews, a couple of interviews we had, but, uh, we're, we're staying strong. We're doing good. Well, let's, uh, let's touch on that. What's, what's going on? Uh, well, we, we recently had an interview, uh, almost two weeks ago with uh, with Lou Elizondo, um, who's been on the show many, many times, um, you know, been very friendly with him in the past. And uh, and there was there was a question that we've had for the last few months. And to be honest, we were kind of afraid to ask it. And the question was essentially um, about a Twitter account <clears throat> that was rumored to be his. Um, and the Twitter account, in question on a for the most part, I'd say 95% of the tweets were pretty mundane, very supportive, pretty nice. And then about five to 6% of the tweets weren't so nice and kind of divisive. Um, and uh, so we asked him, you know, if it was his account and he didn't deny it, uh, basically gave us a soft yes. Um, and then it kind of Spiled from there, <laughs> you know, it's it become this, um, you know, uh, point of contention, I guess, for the community um, that, you know, what, what does it matter that he has a sock token account? Who cares? Who cares if he's letting off some steam on an alternate account or, um, you know, t- um, talking against dissension or different ways of thinking, um, and, you know, it kind of called into question, like, you know, like, why does he need to do that? Um, you know, and it's like, I can understand some people have alternate accounts. They want to let off steam. They get frustrated. Uh, they don't want to look like jerks through their, you know, public blue check mark account. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, one of the answers he gave us as to why he has the account is to collect um, intel. And, you know, we just don't know what that means. So, I mean... For part of the community, they don't care. It's okay with them 
that someone who's telling a story of this magnitude has multiple accounts that kind of trolls other dissenters of that opinion. And some people really do care <laughs> that, you know, this, this gentleman has a, an alternate accounts that sway opinions and, and mock and, or, you know, um, flat out make fun of, you know, the, the people who have real questions that need that, that deserve to be asked. Um, they're not being asked with any sort of malicious intent or, or any rudeness. It's just a question that goes against the narrative. And, and every time, even somebody thinks out loud, it's like you get this um, this uh, crew of people that dissent upon you and start calling you a liar and start calling you names or try to dox some of your fellow, you know, co-hosts um, or bully people behind the scenes not to come on to shows and stuff. And it's pretty wild. I mean, it's just been a pretty wild two weeks, you know? Um, yeah. Personally, I... I I'm of the belief I'm not, I don't really doesn't bother me all that much that he has alternate accounts. I mean, I think in, in two years when we're having public hearings, nobody's going to care about this. Um, but I think there is a section of people that are really great thinkers, really, um, you know, patient people, but they also have a, a very big distrust of our government. And this, this revelation just adds to the distrust for them, which sucks, you know, um, and sort of, I, I guess our position is, you know, we're trying to be as neutral as possible. You know, I think people have the right to think whatever they want, you know, um, if they like it or they don't like it, it's your right to do so. But if you are the kind of person who, who thinks that's okay, then cool. Just as long as you allow for other people to have different opinions to also voice those without you, you know, divulging into, um, you know, elementary tactics to, to get people to, to try and fall in line to what your opinion is. Um, now, how did, uh, just out of curiosity, how did someone figure out that, um, and, and did he absolutely admit it was his account or, or just hint on it? Did he say flat out, yes, this is my other account? And then how the other question is follow up is that how on earth did anyone find out that this account existed? Okay. So those are great questions. He, in the interview, after he gave his answer, I said, that sounds like a soft yes to which he did not um, uh, um, object to. So, you know, the, the the accounting question, I mean, it was, this was a rumor that was just, everybody knew that this account belonged to Lou Elizondo. I heard it from people who worked closely with him. I've heard it from reporters. I've heard it from, um, uh, you know, people who've been in the conversation for a long time. And there were even tweets that were, suggesting, you know, how Lou Elizondo would think about certain statements made, you know, saying things like, oh, yeah, I know Lou would support this. As a matter of fact, I'm 100 percent positive he would, you know, this is from a different account. Um, there is no and, and we've also prefaced this as well when we when we talked about this, 
There is no concrete 100% proof, but he didn't deny it. And, mm-hmm. um, and it seems like everybody is that nobody who is mad about this is, is saying, is saying, oh, that's not his account. How do you guys even know? Everybody, pretty much, it was the worst kept secret on Twitter. Um, everybody pretty much knew this was him. And again, he didn't deny it. Um, so that's, that's kind of where we're at, you know? And, and so, you know, I think the question now is, you know, are you thinking out loud about how you feel about this one way or the other? gets you in the hot water with one side of this community <laughs> there's no yeah. there's no safe space here it's like yeah. either you're with uh-huh. Lou or you're not and it's like look i if there's anybody in this community that has actually put skin in the game and trying to organize uh get in contact with lawmakers tweet email write uh to make a substantive change in the discussion and how it's being discussed in political circles and on Capitol Hill, there's no other show in the game that has much as much in, invested time as our show. And so, yeah, I'd have I, to agree with that. Still, but I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Lou, and I have to cut it a little bit short because we have like four other people yeah. um, online here. But I, ha- I have to tell you, you know, yeah. I, I myself got into trouble a while back because I had stood right in front of someone that. Uh, told me a story like it was public knowledge uh, about the Rendlesham Forest case uh, that was involved in it. And um, I was right there when this person said it. Um, I mentioned it because I thought it was public knowledge online on one of my shows. And next thing you know, I'm threatened with a lawsuit and uh, these people are coming down on me in all different directions. And, uh, and yeah. uh, you know, someone I was actually a really good friend with a really great friend of the show, an excellent researcher, has never spoken to me again. And all I was doing was re- repeating the words that came out of, of the person's mouth. Um, anyway, that's right. just one of those things. Well, but So yeah, I can give you a couple of knocks, but you're doing a great job. And um, so just quickly tell people how they can find you. Yeah, well, just before I do, I just want to say you were one of the inspirations as to why we went ahead and asked the question. You know, because we've got no fear. And and I think that that was inspirational, man, because we were afraid to ask the question last year. And the reason why we were afraid is because we didn't want to lose access and we didn't want to get yelled at or, or and we were afraid of what the reaction was going to be. Um, but we've gotten to the point where just like, look, we can't be afraid of, of engaging our heroes, quote unquote with these questions just because they're uncomfortable doesn't mean they're not valid. So I just want to give mm. you a quick shout out and thank you for the inspiration on that. And if anybody wants to come our show or, or uh, come watch our show, unidentified celebrity review, uh, we're going to be on every Friday starting late April. Uh, we're going down to one day a week instead of three times a week, but um, we're planning the next blame <laughs> putting a little documentary together. So we got a lot of stuff oh. planned. It's going to be a fun year. Excellent. All right. Thanks so much. Always fun talking to you, Lou. And hang in there, buddy. Thank you, Martin. All right. Take care. So Mike is uh, gone, uh, New York City. Welcome. You're welcome to call back, Mike. Sorry for the long delay. Uh, Steve is next. Uh, I can't remember where. Oh, Pasadena. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Martin. I want to congratulate you for uh, a great show that you have. And Thank um, you. 
I have a, a platform, uh, The Truth Be Told, where I gather uh, UFO information. I've had this platform for a couple of years, where I gather UFO news daily around the world, you know, articles, uh, um, podcasts uh, from UFO researchers and uh, sightings, uh, footage, um, anything that comes out on a daily basis. Uh, and uh, I, your show is one is probably the most amazing show podcast with a history of guests all amazing. No well, podcast you. to date has had the history of guests that you've had. Stanton Friedman, I mean, just uh, uh, everybody in the field. And um, it's amazing uh, that the, uh, the, the history that you have with some of these researchers uh, that keeps uh, some of the best researchers in the field now. And uh, I'm just uh, really uh, happy to have you in the UFO community and sharing your podcast. I have a room, The Truth Be Told, where I have over 2,000 members, an average of up to 800 daily that come in and, and check out the news. And I'm always posting your podcast, and uh, many people really enjoy it. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate that very much. And if I may, just a few things that from uh, um, I'm new that I get. Um, you know, uh, I'm a, since the early '80s, I started gathering UFO footage, and uh, and I'm advocate on UFO footage. Now, back in the early '80s, uh, we had VHA, VHS uh, video, which you couldn't really fake back in them days. You know. Uh, That's right. Yes. And so, you know, we had some wonderful videotape. Uh, the Hudson Valley uh, 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 footage is really amazing. And a uh, lot of people, a lot of researchers do not look at footage as a very, uh, you know, important uh, as and solving as evidence. I consider it very important evidence. Um, it's so mainstream with the footage now because it's so much out there that people are getting that, you know, people just look at it and, and they look at it while it's fake or they, or they, it's just so uh, mainstream now. But see, the, back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, you catch footage was so important back in them days. It, I mean, when something came up footage, I mean, it made the headline news, you know, because, uh, we, uh, that's how important it was, and it, it was people were just were amazed by it. Uh, and so now, since it's so mainstream, I, I I feel that I've been gathering it. I'm able to see where this, how the, the UFOs are appearing, where they're appearing, you know how how they look, and uh, gathering that kind of data. And um, you you know, I, and I've gotten we gotten footage, some of my favorite footage was analyzed and such as the one uh, during the eclipse in Mexico where, you know, a disc was filmed, video, and you could see the disc. You can't debate it. You can't say that's fake. Clearly shows a disc, you know, unidentified flying mm-hmm. out. We've had proof. We've had the evidence right in front of us, but, you know, uh, people forget about it, you know. And uh, the footage that I, I, I get now, I get from Brazil, is some of the amazing uh, footage. Uh, we get footage from many people that are in their airplanes now 
They'll take your food outside their airplanes. Mm-hmm. This is because technology has changed and what people use the smartphone phones and they videotape and they download it, whether it be YouTube or um, or another UFO site. And uh, I, just, I just feel it's very important in the field and I just really wish it was more more researchers will uh, follow this evidence. Uh, Jaime Massan does a great job in getting UFO footage from Mexico. And, you know, and it just uh, shocks me how it's not talked about more. It's not, you know, proof that we are not alone. And uh, uh, what, you know, you can't debate it. You can't argue with it. That, you know, I, uh, we have come now now to where we're at that the world knows that UFOs are real. And uh, now everybody's asking the question, the question now you have to speculate, well, well, who's in these UFOs? Where do they come from? Now that speculation not because we don't really know who's in it. I'm always talking to John Greenwald. John Greenwald will, will admit, yeah, UFOs are real. There was a cover-up, but he won't say they're extraterrestrial, you know, because a lot of researchers don't want to say that. But some researchers will go that far to say yes. You know, Stan I know, like you mentioned, Stan Friedman said, you know, he that he believed some of them were. And I think it's a very good possibility. But, um, Steve, thank you so much. We have uh, quite a few people, uh, quite a few people hanging on. So thanks very much for your your comments and your call. Uh, next, we have Simone calling from Arizona. Simone, welcome to the show. Simone, how are you? Um, congratulations. Good. Thank you. Hi. Congratulations on your 500. So, thank you. So, where you're out? Where are you in uh, Arizona? Um, I live in Casa Grande, Arizona. It's between. It's about the halfway mark between Tucson and Phoenix. Oh, okay. Yes, beautiful area. I was out there just a few months ago. Really enjoyed it. It was uh, spectacular. I loved uh, going out in the desert at night and doing like a sky watch. That was a lot of fun. Just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And yep. the weather's not, you can't get better weather this time of year than out there. Right. That's correct. Uh, maybe for about another month and then we'll be about hundred degrees plus. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the only downside. Yes. So uh, do you All have right. a, yeah, go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry. A couple of things. Um, I have a sighting to share that I've never, I've not publicly shared. Um, this is the first mm-hmm. time. And then I have a question following that. Okay. Sure. So um, my family and I were headed, this is, this is in um, 2014 on November 9th at 7:49 PM. My family and I were headed eastbound on the interstate 10 um, back to Casa Grande and we saw, I happened to look over and off in the distance, there were five, but only four showed up in the picture of um, these massive lights that were hanging, you know, vertically in the sky. So, you know, it wasn't horizontal, it was from top to bottom. And it almost mm-hmm. looked like the object was tipped on its side. We couldn't fully see mm-hmm. the outline of it, just the lights um, were the thing that, you know, obviously stood out. So um, at that time, I had an iPhone 6, and I took a series of pictures. 
And to prove, you know, the timestamp and the location, you know, now I have an iPhone 12, but it shows up on the um, storyline of the picture of the date, time, and location of the photos. Mm-hmm. So to this day, you know, we, we've all been perplexed about what the object is. We weren't, you know, serious UFO believers in the past until that day. Um, you know, we all have open it. minds, yeah. but we just didn't really, you know, pay much attention to the subject. So, I mean, I'd be well, happy you- to share the pictures with you on your web website. And yeah, please do. Please send them. And I, by the way, uh, uh, our guest that called back, Andy called earlier, and he did share the images, and I'm going to put them up in a minute. But please do that. I'd like to. I'd like to see that. And and I, I know you have a question to ask, but I still want to just say something about the uh, what you were talking about. This thing being vertical, that is not uncommon. I've heard that many times where people will say they they'll see a UFO doing something completely. Um, you know, I mean, reverse to aerodynamics or whatever, traveling like sideways against the wind or whatever it is, uh, doesn't make any sense to us uh, what, what's going on. But I have heard of the vertical like lights and vertical uh, object. So it's not uh, it's not unusual. Yeah, what time it, was this that. nighttime? This is at night. It's at 749. Yeah. And I will share, I'll screenshot the timestamp and send that to you, you know, included with the pictures. I can forward it to you, but it won't show up. Um, yeah. You know, Again, the- that's uh, just you know, so you know, it's Martin. Show you, I'm but- sorry. Yeah. The email address is martin at podcastufo.com. So if you want to, if you want to send that, and you said you had a question as well. I do. So I've never had the, the pictures, you know, the photos professionally, professionally analyze, which mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'm looking to do and asking you, you know, are you or anybody in the chat aware of a person or group that would look at the pictures, you know, and professionally analyze them to see if it is indeed a UAP or if it is not, um, you know, yeah. keep in mind, we were going 75, 80 miles an hour. And you can see in the picture that I'm going to send you the lights, the trail of the street lights. Okay, and other cars mm-hmm. on the highway. This is the iPhone 6 mm-hmm. camera, so it's obviously not as good as the iPhone 12. Um, but the, the pictures of the, or the series of photos, you can see the, the series of vertical lights in the sky are stationary. And that's what's, you know, fascinating, I guess, about the image is the unidentified lights are stationary and the light, there's a trail of a stream of light, you know, from the street lights and traveling 80 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, well, that yeah, that happens. But I will. I do know someone. Yes, uh, Mark D'Antonio. He's Mufon's uh, video and photo analyst, and I have his contact information. And I uh, could certainly connect uh, connect you with that. I believe you can probably find his contact information online. But uh, but I just know him because he's been a friend of the show for years, and so that's the person who I would suggest. He's top notch. Awesome. And, Thank you so much. Yeah. So send that along if you'd like. And also I can, uh, like I said, I can connect you, uh, certainly connect you with him. Okay. All right. Thank you, Martin. Have a great. All right. Thanks for the call. All right. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye now. All right. Next we have John from New Mexico. John, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Hey, John. Yes. Hi, you are live on the air, John. Welcome to the show. How's it going? 
I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Congratulations on your 500th. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, where in Where in New Mexico are you, John? Um, do you know a place called Ojo Caliente? Uh, no, no, I don't. Um, I I lived for a short time, believe it or not, in Los Alamos. My sister and brother in law, my brother in law, uh, worked at the lab there. So I I lived in Los Alamos. So I traveled around a bit. It's a beautiful state again for, you know, the scenery, the deserts, the hiking, all that stuff. I loved it. So where can you give yeah. uh, land landmarks near where that is? Um, it's, I'd say I, about 40 miles from Los Alamos. Um, you can mm-hmm. see the mountains of Los Alamos in the distance. And, um, we've yeah. kind of had a little bit of uranium in our drinking water, but oh, yeah, yeah. there's like, a, um, there's, there's some springs, uh, like, uh, uh, it's, this area is known for a spa called Ojo Caliente Springs. They're natural springs oh, okay. made into a spa people can hang out but that's pretty much all that's in the town it's a real rural area but it's it's real pretty it's um yeah kind of in between los alamos and taos i guess you could say and now let me ask you something i may have been there i hiked up on some hill and 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 got into these hot springs um i don't know of course there's probably quite a bit of that in in new mexico well yeah there's yeah there's a lot of hot springs around um in the area also in nevada and some other areas too, but no, yeah, there's a lot of hot springs kind of out in Taos too. There's, there's hot springs that I used to go to a lot when I was a kid and stuff. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really beautiful out here. And yeah, it's, it's an interesting, an interesting place. Definitely. No, I, I actually talked to you before and you, and you um on one of the earlier shows and you said that you lived in Los Alamos and I, and I and I wanted to say that's so cool. And and there's this awesome aspect about that town, which is the juxtaposition of like space age technology and ancient ruins, you know, like yes. the dwellings yep. that are back there and, and all that. And it's the cliff dwellings, yeah. There's a you see the holes yeah. up on the side of the cliffs where they used to climb up and get yeah. into these holes. I actually went into a few of them um and uh, saw some beads, which I thought was really amazing one time uh but yeah it's a beautiful area so do you have like a ufo site have you had ufo sightings i'm trying to remember when you called yeah, before well, I, I, I yeah i well it's okay i mean i grew up here and um it's interesting new mexico and other places too in the country it's kind of interwoven in the fabric of the culture the ufo phenomenon and it's mm-hmm. like you'll see it We'll see it in like murals throughout New Mexico. And of course there's Roswell and all that stuff, but that's why it's kind of embedded in the culture. There's so many aspects of the phenomenon out here. And I was, and I grew up here, I was born here and I grew up in Taos and Taos, you can see the lights of Los Alamos in the distance from Taos. And Mm -hmm. it's just always been a part of the culture. I don't know if it's so active nowadays, but when I was a kid, there was, people there was stuff going on and people had stories and i i always wanted to see one i was always like oh i want to see one i want to see one i want to see one and i never saw one until i got older until i was in my 20s but ever since then and it was a crazy experience but ever since then it's like i've seen a bunch but in different states too and 
Um, and I've spent some time over at Area 51 or Rachel, Nevada, um, camping over there. And I tried living over there for a little bit. I'm working at the little alien. Um, but yeah. Really? <laughs> yes, I'm the little yeah, diner yeah. there. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. 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 And there's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's part of the culture over there too in Nevada. And, um, it's interesting. There's a lot of crazy aspects to it. And I've been into it for a really long time. And, it's one of the subjects that I could kind of eat for breakfast that I'm like, just totally, but I've figured out a lot of stuff. So I'm not super into it anymore, but I am, but it's like, I've already figured out a lot of things. So I'm like, but it's amazing. It's like, it blows me away. Just like how the craft work and what the propulsion systems are and what the ramifications of all this stuff is, but also kind of how I believe we've never been alone. Like, I think we've always been, watched over or followed or observed or whatever and it's kind of like i thought about it recently it's like an ant do you think an ant is aware of a person that's walking by the anthill or can even like fathom what a human being is and i've heard of this kind of on your show too it's like we might not even be able to fathom some of the aspects of the phenomenon but it's really right. interesting and there's a lot of interesting aspects to it and one question i wanted to ask you was did you think you'd make it to 500? <laughs> <laughs> I never really thought about it. You know, there was a time when, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago where there was some infighting going on and I got kind of thrown in the middle and I thought, you know, I'm just going to give this thing up. Uh, it's not worth it. And I've always felt like, you know, if something's not enjoyable um, and you're, you're not really getting paid for anything, you know, why do it? But these, these, uh, yeah. I got through that and I'm really glad I did. And I have, uh, absolutely no plans on stopping. I just, I just love the topic, and still find it fascinating. Find the people that are interested in it uh, fascinating. So it's all really good. But we have a ton of people stacked up waiting behind you here, John. So thank you so much for the call. Yeah, you're welcome, and um, it was wonderful to talk to you. You bet. Okay, and uh, take care, and talk to you again sometime. All right, so next we have Jim, uh, but Jim's got to hold on just for a minute. He's calling from British Columbia. I want to put up these pictures so everyone can see what Andy was talking about, where he thought it might be some type of portal or something. This is up on the screen now, and I will put these in the show notes for those of you listening to the audio part of our show. You can see here where it does, uh, it does change shape, whatever it is. Uh, you know, I mean, devil's advocate. Is it possible that it's uh, um, a black garbage bag? I know that sounds awful weird, but sometimes those float in the sky. But the thing that he did say, I do remember him saying, is that all of a sudden it vanished. So I don't think that would totally explain uh, that, especially if he never moved his eyes away from it. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I'm not really sure what it is, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting. So thanks again, Andy, for uh, sending that in. So now we're going to take in uh, Jim from British Columbia, I believe. Yes, Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Martin. So nice to talk to you again. Yeah, yes, thank you. We're having a wonderful time up here in British Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I must say, um, you know, I really favor the experiencers, and I'm an experiencer, and uh, uh, I never went looking for anything, you know. When my first paranormal experience happened, and then my 
second one and a few other minor ones. I probably had 40 paranormal experiences in my life and I I never went looking for anything uh, but I was having all these experiences and I I had to try to put them together you know and it's it's a lot like my experiences are a lot parallel to Bledsoe and people oh, like yeah. that mm-hmm. you know yep. yeah yeah Chris Bledsoe yeah uh, I, when I listen to him I keep thinking oh yeah that happened to me too and then he'll say some things that never happened to me and then they'll say something that totally clicks with me and i'll think oh yeah me too me too yep yep you know and uh same with a lot of the experiencers you know and you you have these um uh naive people you could call them which i am i'm i was i was a naive person myself you know and 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 they're not looking for anything and, and then all of a sudden something pops up right in front of them you know like like those guys uh down in the southeast who are out fishing in the night at night and they you got talk to- about calvin parker and Cal- um, yeah calvin and i'm Cal- trying to remember yeah, the Pascagoula incident. I, I, I can't remember all the names either, but and then there's that Chance Landry, I think his name was, and these are naive witnesses, and they weren't looking for anything, and then all of a sudden something happens, and wow, <laughs> you know, I was like that at first too. Eh? I mean, I had all these things happening, I didn't know what the heck was going on, and uh, but but now, now that I'm older and I'm actually trying to put together um, an audio book. Uh, I'm I'm remembering all these things and trying to write them down and all stuff. And uh, there's a pattern in it seems a pattern in my life that um, it's as if something's doing this to me. Uh, there is a they, and I don't even know who the they are, but they're they're doing it to me. You know, I mean, they've led me through portals. They've uh, saved my life. They've sent. <laughs> They've sent creepy helicopters following me around up in the mountains uh, and all these things that are, uh, you know, just just are uh, uh, the only way I can explain them all is that, you know, uh, uh, I'm working for them. Apparently, I've been employed by the aliens or someday who I don't know who they are, but uh, I just pick out the aliens and say, okay, I'm working for the aliens, right? And I have worked very hard, too, in my life. I worked uh, very hard as a uh, an environmental engineer, and I had to hmm. go back to university and take courses and study really hard to upgrade my engineering degree uh, to become and to work as an environmental engineer, and I did this. And um, and I did it for nothing, really. I just did it for my heart, and uh, and I made I got by because I was on a disability pension. I was able to do that. I was free to do whatever I wanted, and to be uh, a whistleblower in favor of the environment and humanity. And my values are the human species on Earth and and all life on Earth. These are my my values, and and. Many experiencers say, well, that's what the aliens told them. They told them, like even those kids in Africa, they were told, well, you, <laughs> we're here to tell you, you're ruining your planet. You better fix it. Get off, you know, better better fix it, right? Well, that, that was one of the first messages I got uh, in one of my first early paranormal experiences. Gosh, I was only um, 21, I think, and I had my first engineering job up on the 
spooky, spooky Queen Charlotte Islands in the real rainforest up there. Got a job up there. And uh, when I finally got a day off, you know, like I worked all winter and got one day off, and I went outside and walked into the old growth forest, and this deer appeared beside me in in this undergrowth. Like I, I'd had to push my way into this undergrowth. It was so thick. And I, tur- I, I, I pushed my way into the undergrowth. I turned around, looked back at the town I was living in, this mining camp, you know, and I'm looking at the camp and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm thinking, gosh, that's ugly. We are making such a mess here of this, this beautiful forest day eh? because we uh, put a mine in the middle of a forest and we just spew- threw our garbage all over the place. We polluted the ocean so you couldn't even catch a fish anymore. It was horrendous what we were doing there. And, uh, and I was participating in it. I was, you know, a full participant as a, as an engineer in their in their office there, and uh, and I was looking back at the, at the town, I was thinking, man, this is ugly. And then a deer appeared beside me in this undergrowth, and you couldn't even walk through this stuff. And this thing just appeared, blink, there's a deer. Uh, a few inches from my head was one of the tines of its antlers. That's how close it was. I could reach out and touch mm. it. It was mm-hmm. it was standing beside me in this undergrowth suddenly, and I looked down at the deer. And its eye turned and looked up at me, and it had this big black eye, all black, enormous. I mean, I was captivated by this eye. It was so beautiful, right? And the deer was so beautiful. And it looked up at me, and I got this message like, yeah, it's really ugly, (laughs) right? Because I was looking at the scene, and I was thinking, this is ugly as ugly can be, the the the. Deer or alien appeared beside me with a big black eye, looked me right in the eye and said, yeah, this is really ugly. you got to do something about it, right? <laughs> so then I turned back and I looked at the, the town and the ugliness and the rustiness and all that. I looked at that again and then I looked back and the deer was gone. It just was gone. And it made no sound coming or going. It was right beside me, you know, and I mean... Looking back on that, uh, I, I could reanalyze that and say, well, that was a, an alien that was uh, telling me what I got to do. And, and, and so I worked in that mine for a while, and I had a establishment engineering career for about 10 years, and then I became disabled and went on a disability pension, moved out of the city, uh, went back to university and became an environmental engineer. And I've worked with that, uh, put in 25 years of hard work. And now that I'm retired, I'm, I'm only working half time, which for me is like eight hours a day on, on my environmental engineering. I'm still working on it. But um, yeah, and, and, then, and then you see now, and then uh, there was another event that occurred that was very significant early on in my life. And that's when I was about 26, I went out for a motorcycle ride. And without going into details, my life was saved by a paranormal event. I should have died, but I didn't die. And it was definitely paranormal. What The paranormal thing about it was that a voice yelled in my left ear. And I've never before or since had a voice yelling in my ear, ever. Just that one time. And the voice that yelled in my ear was actually my own voice. And that voice told me what to do. I did it instantly. I, I did. I just obeyed the voice without thinking. And that's what saved my life that day, or I would have been dead for sure. Uh, and uh, so I had to, after that event, I, I went home with my head bowed down, 
going over, thinking over, what the heck is going on here? You know, what? Uh, how how can these things happen? And I had to at that time. You see, I had to uh, drop my belief system <laughs> at the time, which was scientific atheism, and I had to drop that down a hole and open up my mind to all things. You know, because my life had been saved, and I mean, I I felt compelled to work for whoever saved my life. I mean, who wouldn't? You know, who would? You know who wouldn't want to do that, and uh, and that's kind of what I did. Um, and I now going to another topic. Um, I really like to listen to the experiencers most of all. That's the most valuable thing to me uh, because that's uh, uh, what they're saying. Their testimony is evidence in a court of law, like Bledsoe, for example. If he went into a court of law and 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 gave testimony, given his uh, experience and position in society and so on, that would be considered testimony, valid testimony or evidence in a court of law. And same with me, actually, I have given testimony in a court of law as an expert witness, as an engineer, an ex- expert witness. I gave testimony into a legal proceedings called an inquiry. So a person's words are evidence in a court of law. Maybe not scientific evidence, maybe not. But but evidence, yes. And people throw that word evidence around, and it's, it's very important in these things we're talking about here. And people throw that word around, and they never differentiate between scientific evidence and legal evidence. But both are valid forms of evidence, and uh, Chris Bledsoe's testimony is evidence. So people who say, oh, there's no evidence. Yes, there is evidence. I'm sorry. I have to tell them there is evidence. And there's a, there's a lot more evidence, too. Like there's, I've been watching uh, Uncharted X on, on YouTube, and this is about ancient aliens, but it's done in a very scientific way, and I would really like to go go with that guy on his tour there and provide um, my input into it because um, I'm a materials engineer. And so I look at those materials in Egypt uh, and I have to say, we can't make that today. Like, for example, the stone jars are phenomenal. We simply could not make that today. And I'm saying that as a materials engineer uh, with with knowledge of how we make stuff out of stuff. You know, that's what I know. <laughs> I've been, you know, upgrading my, my, my original degree in engineering by studying um, the new jet engine materials and the, uh, what they call ceramic nanocomposites new materials and I'm wondering, I'm looking at that and I'm wondering, could that be from the aliens? Could that have been from the back engineering from alien materials? And this is the kind of thing I'm considering uh, and it could be or it could not be. I don't know that. That's not, I can't say for sure. But but the real evidence are those stone jars in Egypt because seriously, we can't make that today. We just couldn't do it. And there's a lot of other things they did there in early, early Egypt that's uh, beyond our current abilities. Okay, and I'll, I'll just shut up now. We're all gone all right. for hours. All right. Hey, hey Jim, uh, thank thank you very much uh, for the call. Uh, I really appreciate it. I'm sorry, was it? it's not Jim, is it? I got Jim. names mixed up. Jim. Yeah, okay, Jim, thanks for the call. Yeah, I do have to say, that the stone uh, a stone jar would be extremely hard 
to hollow out for sure. So next uh, we have uh, Mark is on the line and I'm hoping that Mike and Dan call back. They held for a long time and it'd be nice. Uh, please do call back. But before that, I want to just put up these pictures that Simone, who spoke from Arizona, um, she did uh, send these in. These are some of the pictures that she sent in. And again, I'll put these in the show notes. Here's the lights she was talking about in the vertical line as they're moving along right here. And uh, so, yeah, check that out. Here's a timestamp of when she did that, but it doesn't really mean too much as far as the time. But I think this one right here is a pretty interesting image to what it was. Have no idea. Uh, maybe Mark D'Antonio, someone like that can figure that out. So, Mark, uh, welcome to the show. Oh, we lost Mark. <laughs> so everyone hung up. We had three people on and they all uh, they all had it. They they had to uh, they, they didn't want to wait. And that's kind of what happens when you're calling in on these call in shows. Unfortunately, if you're not right up, you're going to have to be patient and uh, just wait and hang in for uh, when you can actually talk. So he called back. We have Mark. Thanks for calling back, Mark. Uh, you are live on the air right now. Mr. Willis, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Oh, thank you. Um, so I've been dying to get this off my chest to you for years. Um, big time fan. You sure helps me get to sleep at night after work. I'm not an engineer. I'm just a line cook. Uh -huh. <laughs> so in 1997, I was 16 years old. Um, I'm going to get right to the point. We were, um, I was driving home from school with my father. He picked me up. And um, it was just getting dark at night. This was the same night as the Phoenix Lights had happened. And uh, I had looked off oh. into the distance. And can you hear me? Yeah, you're saying this is the same, like, March 13th, 1997? March, I'm 41 years old now. Yeah, March 13th, 1997. I had gotten in trouble at school, and my father was yelling at me uh, for getting in trouble. And you know, I it got real awkward and quiet in the car and I looked off in the distance and I go, Oh, look at the UFO. Now I said that because growing up, he had me listening to Art Bell coast to coast. So anytime we saw an airplane or a helicopter, we'd say it could be a balloon and we'd go, Oh, look at the UFO. And I'll never forget. He said, now's not the time for jokes. And I'm looking at this and I saw three orange lights really low, about two miles off in the distance and they weren't moving. And I was like, no, seriously, doesn't that look kind of weird? And, you know, we were on Route 20 in Massachusetts heading west. And, uh -huh. I know uh, right where it is. Yeah. Yeah. What, right, right by Westfield, Massachusetts. I live in Russell. So as we're getting closer, he's even like, what the hell is this? And, okay, so it was a, definitely a black triangle. We had drove right underneath it. And it was about maybe 150 feet at the most above the ground. And we were, like I said, driving for about a mile underneath it. And we got out. There was three orange lights on each tip. And there was one orange in the middle. We pulled over and were directly underneath the middle of this thing. And I looked at it and the black part, it was a solid craft. It wasn't just three orange orbs with one of them, or excuse me, four orange orbs. There was a solid mass to it and it was gunmetal black, but it almost had this like cloaking effect where it was trying to mimic the sky above it. Cause it blacked out the stars. It was just the strangest thing. 
and I was underneath the middle orange light, and it looked like a creamsicle, like white and orange, but it was like alive and it was liquid. And I remember it didn't cast a shadow on us. We got, we were out of the car looking at this thing for a total of five seconds, and we both had a very uneasy, like I was scared feeling. Mm. So we looked at each other and said, "Let's get out of here." We got in the car, and when we looked out the um, windshield because you could see it we were directly underneath it when we pulled up you could see it from the windshield so we instinctively looked out the windshield to keep looking at it almost and it mm -hmm. vanished in the fin it just completely disappeared wow and a lot of people talk about that something just absolutely the, disappearing not seeing it shoot off in a direction or anything just gone which is a, another like fascinating aspect and um the crazy thing about it was was the next day on the news, you know, we, every, there was things about the Phoenix lights. And I remember them hearing there was reports of them in the Northeast that same night. So I think it was more of, and I, I was, I listened to your show with Tom King the other night. Yes. Uh -huh. um, I remember hearing about how he said the Phoenix lights weren't the major event. It was the Las Vegas nights the night before I've been, mm -hmm. I've been following, since this happened to me i'm fascinated with it i went out to phoenix last year just to hope to see another triangle i didn't but you know i got to watch some cubs training at the least but anyway um <laughs> it's you know so i have a anytime you see these videos that where people claim to like you know see a triangle all you see in the video because is the three points of light these things are so dark that even an iphone couldn't catch the if they have a cloaking device how's a cell phone going to catch that yeah so the three lights every and i always notice you see these lights in triangle formation these are these black triangles and they are not us they're not tr3bs or whatever the hell they are this thing was at least two miles in diameter it was massive uh, that's massive understatement for what i saw like massive is small compared to what i experienced just so, uh, just it's it's so hard to tell the size of something without being able to triangulate. So um, how were you saying that this thing was low enough that it felt like it was that big? I, I yes, I do know because I remember when I was standing, I was outside standing right underneath it. Mm -hmm. I, I grew up playing league. I could have hit it with a tennis ball if I threw hard enough. Uh, how about that? And wow. What I, Every time I drive by that, I drive on that same stretch of road every day. And then nighttime when I'm coming home from work, I kind of want to see it again. But one thing I've done before in the past is I've ran it over so many times in my mind that I know where, because, you know, it's a triangular shape. I remember when we were driving towards it, it getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And where I remember where it began and where we got out of the car to look at is a little convenience store. Nobody else was around. It was crazy because no one else saw it. But at that point, I was in the middle of it. So I know where it began. And I know that where we stopped to get out and look at was the middle of it. And I remember looking in a 360 expanse. There was one part of it because where we, the trees, you couldn't see one of the um, orange orbs anymore. But the other one was way out by the Turnpike Bridge, and that's another mile. So I've triangulated it in my head. And I'm no mathematician, but I do remember specifically 
you know, the dimensions of how high above it was me and where I began to notice it and where we began to drive underneath it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, so, it's not so, us. Yeah. It's yeah, so what was a, pardon me. I'm sorry about that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it makes you think, um, of the, especially back in 1997, did we have this type of technology? If we did, why wouldn't we know about it now? type of thing but what happened on the ride home from there what was the conversation like you know what's crazy is that um we we both were like kind of in a state of awe and he Mm -hmm. was so pissed at me in trouble at school i was a little delinquent but um we kind of we absorbed it and then i i was in so much trouble as a teenager that year particularly that that became just i had a lot of stuff going on that year and i was i was i'm a i'm my life is good now but as a kid i was in and out of trouble mm-hmm. so i it what's funny is 20 years gone by and you know i lived a very full life i've been around and it really didn't start hitting me until about maybe 15 years ago, like, holy, you know, I don't know if you can swear on here. So I didn't, but I was just, I was amazed that I was able to witness something. It confirmed that there are, you know, we are being visited. Nobody can tell me otherwise. So when like I, when I share this experience with people and I tell them a lot of people are, you know, the majority of Americans believe in UFOs. So I don't really catch a lot of flack, but you get the occasional, you know, hillbilly up here that'll go, oh, you're crazy. You don't have people. And, you know, I feel sorry for them <laughs> because it's unshakable once you really experience it, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm a Christian. I believe the universe works in a million different ways. So it's it's not a question of God and demons. It's, it's the, the universe is big. There's a lot of mysteries and this is just one of them. And it's amazing. But what what was crazy was I did have other experiences after that. I've had three experiences, but that was the one no doubter. So I don't know. I don't yeah. want to get into myself cooking dinner and everything too. But I really just wanted to call yeah. and share that. Yeah, thank uh, you for that. Yeah, no, yeah. it was uh, fascinating, uh, especially the size of it, and and uh, yeah, that's that's amazing, and just. Uh, I'm just surprised we didn't hear much about it, but that doesn't, why should that surprise me? You know I mean? It it seems like that would be all over the news when you see something like that. Wouldn't you think that? Well, there was actually a little flap in Massachusetts again. Um, I want to say 2013, a lot, there was, um, a huge black triangle was spotted over Amherst, Massachusetts by UMass. Mm -hmm. And I I know of multiple people just offhand I could name three people that I know right now that have seen these triangles out here. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, a friend of mine had an experience right there at UMass. Um, you know, yep. so I, this, I guess there's quite a bit going on there from what I've, I've looked into it. There's quite a bit going on in that area for some reason. Uh, well, anyway, I've been Hudson Valley. So, you know, mm-hmm. upstate New York's right across Great Barrington. So I always head up that way and, it's uh there's definitely some magic up here in the skies but anyway hey um again thank you for your time man yeah thank you all right you take care mark all right so next take care all right next we have adriel uh calling from la 
Uh, Adriel, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. You bet. I'm Thank an, you. I'm an experiencer. Uh, it's a daily thing that happens with me. This, uh, uh, let me tell you how it started. I, I was actually praying to God three and a half years ago in my garage out loud, the way I was taught growing up, asking for guidance. And I had this overwhelming sensation of love. I mean, big time, like, like God was hearing me and was in the garage and I grew up Catholic. I wasn't like super religious. Like I didn't do that my whole life. I just started doing that because I wanted to start a new career and I was, I was wondering what I should do. And I was asking for guidance. I had this feeling like somebody had their hand over my heart and was squeezing my heart. I know now that my phone sends me stuff that that uh, I don't even have to look up. If, as long as I talk about it around the phone, the phone will send you to to what you're looking for. I know that now. But then my phone sent me to these programs that uh, uh, one was called Not Your Everyday Sunday Program, and it had a couple gentlemen that were that were uh, talking about the same things that I was, you know, uh, uh, stuff that was happening in our in our galaxy with uh, the wobble of the planets and and uh, the Kuiper Belt, the asteroid belt, all kinds of things. That the sky was really red, 2017, 2019, and I was and I had a friend at the same time. I'm praying for God and sending me to this program where these gentlemen are using dowsing rods, and I was I was asking why. It is that God can hear our thoughts and knows what we're thinking, and we can communicate our prayers to God, but that God can't answer us. We have to wait for a sign. And my phone sent me to this program where these gentlemen were using dowsing rods, and they were getting answers from source. And I kept getting this squeezing around my heart, like I'm sending you to this program to show you how you can communicate with me. And uh, like I said, there was a, this overwhelming sensation of love and everything happened like in the synchronicities were just off the hook. It was it was too crazy to be true almost. And uh, every single day it was something happening and that same sensation, same feeling. I thought I was like God was there with me and walking with me. I had so much love. I was like tearing up. And these gentlemen were asking the same questions about the skies that I was. And one of them said, you know, there ought to be somebody talking to the planets. The Native Americans believed that Mother Earth was alive, and they would talk to Mother Earth and get get answers from her. And the, the Egyptians believed that the sun was their god. Based on that, what if all planets were sentient beings? Somebody ought to be talking to the planets because there's something going on in our skies. And a little old man from the UK, his name was Patrick Garrett, heard them. And I'm watching this play out. And he was working with a pendulum. And he asked Source, he was asking Source as well, and he asked Source if he could talk to the planets and did and text in, hey, I just spoke with Jupiter. And uh, the gentleman said, well, you got to come on the program tomorrow and see, you know, let's check that out. And so he did. And he set up a camera above his pendulum and started talking with Source, asking if he had strong connection with Source. Source said, yes, can I speak to the planets? Source said, yes. And they made a show of it for like three months. I watched answers being put out there that were, like scientific answers that weren't answered yet. And then I'd see it in the paper and the news a couple of days later. Like I said, the synchronicities were off the hook. And then it went from talking with the planets to people calling in and asking if source had a message for them because they were having experiences is what I, what I imagine now, you know, looking back on it, 
and and source was telling him yes the lady that you see in the red dress in your dreams is you in a past life blah 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 and the people that were that were texting in to ask source if source had a message for him all of them had great reactions there was no nothing evil or anything coming through it was all it was love and favor whoops like that yeah say that again and first Um, time i ran across that and and i um I, I was filled with so much love, and I thought that I was chilling with God that I, I skateboard, right? And uh, I'm 52. Every night for my exercise, I go out to the park and I skate. And before my skate session, I was saying this little prayer while I was, I was invoking love and favor to the universe, saying, my name is Adriel Galvez. I'm sending love and favor to everyone out there, the good, the bad, the ugly, God, Jesus, Satan, the devil, everyone, because I feel that everyone deserves love. And I think that's what God wants wants to have everybody you know showing love when you get this this is coming to you in the form of a wave uh you'll see it coming across your your to you and when when it gets to you i want you to accept it turn to your neighbor invoke love and favor and then turn back this way to mother earth and the sun and and the milky way galaxy because we're having some issues here in our skies and we might need some help i was taking pictures of the skies in 2019 and it almost looked like there was two sunsets the skies were so red i'd never seen them that red in my life and i mentioned it to a friend and she told me maybe it's nibiru coming through or nibiru and i didn't know anything about nibiru and then i started looking it up and it sort of went with the kuiper belt the asteroid belt the, the extinction of the dinosaurs the glacial impacts noah's flood all of that and it was starting to fall into place like like maybe we were lied to in religion and things didn't happen quite the way they say, you know, and I started putting things together. And then I, I was, like I said, I was praying to God out loud and I started questioning God. Why? Because it looked like that's what was happening. And, uh, that, that Nibiru was coming through or something. So I started asking God why God has to destroy the earth or have something run into it every once in a while. And, and it led me on this journey where, uh, the gentleman, you know, I, I wanted answers, so I, I texted into the program after like two months of watching it and all of this love and favor. And I said, you know, I'm going to call, I'm going to text in and see if you have a message for me. I'm taking you, source, as God, you know, because that's what it felt like. This thing was squeezing my heart, like, go with your heart, go with your heart. And so I texted into the show and I said, the source have a message for me. And by that time, it had turned into Ask the Pendulum and the Dowsing Rods with Patrick Garrett. Patrick said, I was the first one, or I was the fourth one to ask that that day. And he goes, you know, you all got to make your own pendulums. We all have the ability to do this. And I went, bing. That's why God was leading me to that program. This is how I can communicate with God. So I took that, and then he started the session and said, Adriel, you're a good person with a good heart and a good soul. Save your energy you're going to be needed to help those less fortunate. And that's how I. Yeah. Hey, whoops. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on here, but anyway, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for the call, Adriel. Appreciate it. And okay. So the lines are open and the lines, the phone numbers up there, 855-472-5483. And I'm going to look through the comments. So we have uh, the line is open. And see if anyone, if if you're too shy to call, I understand that. But do put your questions, if you have any, up in caps, if you would. Um, And if I don't, uh, if I don't get a call right away here, I'm going to bring Bill back into the show and terrorize him for a little while. 
Um, let's see. Nothing that I'm seeing here, really, uh, as far as questions. But let me just take a look here. Um, looks like we have another caller coming in. So just hang in there for a second. And again, for those of you who uh, were, wanted to look at the pictures that we talked about and you are not watching this live, you are listening to the audio program. Every week we have a link to the show notes in the audio programs. And all you have to do is click on that and you will get to where those images are that we spoke about earlier here. Uh, Bill, you said, wait, does that mean wait on you or do we have a caller coming in? A call coming in. Um, next week, we have uh, Stan Gordon. Stan's been on a bunch of times in years past, and he's he is in Pennsylvania, and he's always on the phone, never, never does a computer, um, but he has just come out with a very interesting book, and he had... Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't have the. I don't have that information up here in front of me, but uh, let's see. So I just heard from Sam Moranto, friend of the show. I'm going to see if I can get him to call in. Uh, you call. He just sent me a text. We have uh, Caroline from George, uh, Roswell, Georgia. I know right where that is. Uh, Caroline, welcome to the show. Caroline, you there? You were live on the air. Uh, I'm wondering if I, there we go. Caroline, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that was me. I had, I, uh, the, yeah, that's me and my technology. So okay. forgive me for that. Well, uh, but, but uh, thank, thank you for the call. I know right where Roswell, I have a friend that lives there. He has a, uh, yeah, he has a antique business, uh, antique online business. He's been lived there for years. Ah, yeah. Actually, we had an email discussion about that a couple of years ago because uh, oh, right. I automatically send you some money and usually you give me a nice thank you note. And that was that's always very nice. I like that. Um, yes. Anyway, uh, I didn't always live in Roswell, Georgia. I grew up in Seattle and uh, I was when I was one day in June of 19. No, sorry. Yeah. 19. 63. I had just turned 14 in May, which is why I remember the month. I don't remember the day. Uh, my mother came home from work and said, there's going to be, um, you know, a space capsule, whatever we call them, you know, going overhead tonight around, I think she said 10 o'clock. I don't really remember. I know it had gotten dark by then. Um, and uh, so, so my older brother was 20 and my mom and I all decided we would go out and look for it. So we did. And we eventually saw it coming um, very slowly. And it was getting bigger and smaller and bigger and smaller. And my brother, who knew everything, you know, as far as I knew, said that that was because of the way, remember the way those things were were um, shaped like acorns, you know, mm -hmm. so we, when we'd be seeing the small part, it would be small. And then the big part would, you know, so anyway, yeah. that's lumbering along the sky very slowly. And then one of us noticed, I don't remember which one noticed from the opposite direction, but a little bit, this was coming from the South to the North. And then from the North East, um, another smaller light, a steady light um, was, coming really fast 
And then it started to slow down and it came right up to the, to the, you know, space capsule, astronaut, whatever, and, uh, and stopped for about a nanosecond and slowly faster, 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 faster. Interesting. Are you there? Hello? Um, Caroline, are you still there? Carolyn. Hmm. Oh, Carolyn, you there? I'm here. You know, I don't know how it happened. I'm, I was trying to type something and somehow uh, somehow it automatically muted you. And maybe it's just the key uh, keystroke or something. Sorry about that. Um, so you were talking about, uh, sorry, you got cut off. So I don't know. Uh, I think okay, this is a... This is a program glitch, uh, according to Bill, that happens. So, anyway, sorry about that. Wait, I don't, I don't know. Did you, I think you did said it was disappearing or something like that? Or, well, it it came up to the space capsule thing, whatever we called them in those days, and uh, and did a a ninety degree turn on a dime in about half a nanosecond and took off. Uh, first kind of slowly and then faster and faster and faster and faster. And I don't think it was in the, that was visible more than 30 seconds. Wow. That yeah. that's quite so, incredible. And how many of you were watching at this time? At that time? Uh, three of us, three of us, my wow. mother and my 20 year old college student brother. And, and did you hear about anyone else seeing this? No, or no, we, we you? looked at, all through the newspapers the next day, listen to the news and that sort of thing, nothing. And I've never seen, heard anything like that before. Um, but it was sure obvious that that wasn't um, in the program. So, yeah, doesn't sound like it. <laughs> no, interesting. And, uh, yeah, I was already interested in, in UFOs, but I really was more interested then. So, it's been a lifelong interest. Anyway, that's that's it. That's my little sighting. So. I love it. I love it. And I yeah. do appreciate the call. All right. All Thanks. right. You take care. All right. All right. Bye, Caroline. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Next, we have the one and only Sam Maranto, UFO oh. uf- ufologist from the middle of the country. Sam, welcome to the show. From the heartland of the uh, wonderful U.S., right? That's right. How you been, Sam? Oh, I'm kicking and um, improving. And uh, just wanted to tell you, happy 500th show. I can't believe that. In fact, I was so excited. Uh, I have my better half here that wants to uh, wish you a happy 500th, too. If oh, you don't Julie. Mind. Hi, Julie. Hi. Congratulations. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, same here. Congratulations. Thank you. you so many wonderful, wonderful listeners. My gosh, the questions and things that they were bringing up. There was a few things I wanted to address, but I was wondering if you had some interesting things that I could uh, maybe talk about. If I had some interesting things? Do you- yes, that you were that you were interested in. Throwing at me. Uh, oh, oh, you mean throwing a question at you. All right. Uh, 
yeah. Um, so just just to let you know, this is ca- the call in that we're having here is basically, you know, people calling in with their experiences and and whatever. But, uh, you know, to go, uh, I, I guess uh, let's uh, and we have uh, let's see, one, two, three. Four, we have looks like three people behind you, so we can't keep this too long. Oh, no, but let's. No, no. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about um, the. I love when you talk quickly for the person that's never heard about it, the Tingley Park um, mass uh, UFO witness sighting. I love that one. Yes, I was hoping you'd bring that up because the gentleman with the triangle. And in fact, hopefully you could find him, to, uh, give my contact information to him because I'd love to talk more to him. Uh, that was such a fantastic um, uh, sighting. Again, we get these large objects, and we had them in Tinley Park. We had an anniversary, of course, uh, the October uh, uh, sighting, and that was 2004. He's talking, he was talking about the uh, March uh, 13th, 1997. We had activity in it about here. It seemed like there were multiple sightings, and this happens. You have these adjunct sightings in other states that may not be as significant as the mass sightings, and that's something... As you know, I love, and so do you, uh, the Tinley Park mass sighting had thousands of people uh, that seen these objects, the three triangular uh, pattern of lights and an isosceles pattern that moved about the sky. And this was the same scenario as what we had up in Rockford, southern Illinois in 2000. And of course, you know, one thing we kind of forget about is the, uh, the Carteret sightings in July of 2001. That is something that one of these days I got to get on there and we could talk about a little bit. That's a very good mass sighting. Uh, but I don't want to hold your um, your people up. One thing I did want to address is they can always fill out a MUFON report. Just go to MUFON.com and I would love to see uh, some of the detail of those photos. And uh, Mark D'Antonio would, would do a great job. I also do some photo analysis and if I can't figure it out, I pass it on to him. But uh, Excellent. Uh, I want to thank you very much. So just, just Sam, before you go quickly, what is the Carter? Uh, what is the Carter, just in a nutshell, can you talk about that? Sure. The Carteret sighting was, you know, the it was back in July of uh, 2001. And people were seeing these, the, uh, uh, seeing these triangular patterns and singular orange lights coming in. Uh, near the Newark airport. In fact, they were picked up on radar and they were doing some remarkable speeds. They were actually standing still, going very slow and going at at velocities that they were just going off the radar. In other words, the speeds were not even able to record them. This was investigated by NIDS, which was of course the National Institute of Discovery Science by Bigelow Aerospace. And there was a very good write-up on that. Uh, it was covered in the newspaper, and if they could, if people are interested, go on YouTube and check up the Carteret, New York, or excuse me, New Jersey sightings back in 2001. I believe it was July. In fact, I'm almost positive. And you could see some very good newsreel and video. So get a chance. I know there's at least two of them up there on YouTube, but we could talk about it some more uh, and give give you more detail. Excellent. Well, Sam, thank you for your call. And thank you, Julie. She's ducked right. out of here. But thank yeah, you I don't blame her. Yeah. Wonderful. Right. Thank you for right. the call. 
Excellent Thank call. you, Sam. Thank you. All right. Take care. Yeah, bye. All right. Next on the line, we have Brock from Dayton, Ohio. Brock, welcome to the show. Uh, hey, Mark. Brock. I'm doing great. I just wanted to say uh, uh, congratulations on 500 uh, episodes. And uh, Thank you. I figured I'll call in and, and tell you uh, my um, one of my most recent uh, sightings. I guess this was back in like 96, 97. Uh, I was living in uh, Dayton, Ohio, and uh, me and a buddy were driving down uh, Route 4 slash 235, um, right next to what's known as the Huffman Dam. But what's interesting about that is on the other side of the Huffman Dam, it, there's several, that's Wright Pat, Wright Patterson Air Force Base is there. And so me and my uh, friend were driving along, and I'm looking out uh the right side of the car towards the northwest and that's um the heber heights area and i see this uh flat disc that's just kind of zipping along the tree lines i remember thinking if that's a a pilot that guy's going to be in a lot of trouble because i never see planes flying that low and i never see planes flying that fast because it was literally just zipping along at the top of the tree line and then as I'm sitting there looking at this, I'm trying to recognize the profile of this plane because it was just a flat disc. I thought, well, maybe it's an F-16, and I'm just seeing the profile of it. It's mm -hmm. I'm not really seeing. And as, as I'm thinking that, it suddenly just went vertical and just shot up into the sky and was gone like in a second. And um, I was thinking to myself, like, okay, uh, I've never seen anything like that before. I wonder trying to rationalize like what kind of plane could that have been and I'm, I'm thinking that to myself I hear my buddy next to me he's driving and he's like did you see that and I was like yeah okay so that wasn't that wasn't anything conventional that was that was something else and uh we were both kind of like in a in a daze for a good 15 or 20 minutes um it's not I think we've talked about that maybe one time since then yeah really we, it was really pretty shocking. Yeah. Um, you know, people say like, since we were right next to Ray Pat, like that could have been a, uh, some kind of experimental plane or something like that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's possible. But if you've got some kind of like, uh, experimental aircraft, maybe a drone, cause obviously like the, the way that thing accelerated like upwards, cause it made just a right angle turn. It just went, was going like really fast horizontally and then suddenly it just shot up vertically um and was gone like in a in a second um if mm. anybody had been in there they would have been liquefied uh so but if they were flying like kind of experimental drone or something over a populated area that would have been super super dangerous um because if they'd lost communication with that vehicle it would crash it would have taken out like a whole neighborhood so i mean Sure, that's possible, but I don't think that's a very good explanation. So, that's my most yeah. recent UFO sighting. Um, it's a good one. A head scratcher. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. Right. Well, hey, thanks so much for the call. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. All right, Brock. Take care. All right. Next, we have Johnny from Michigan, and uh, Johnny, welcome to the show. And also, I want to say Yuri from Germany. Call back. Hopefully, uh, you'll 
try us again and we'll be able to get to you. So uh, welcome to the show, Johnny. Hey, Martin. It's uh, actually Tony, a little confusion on the name. I spoke with you like six months ago, maybe on a vertical okay. film that I witnessed in Michigan. Oh, yes. I remember you. Yes. Hi. Yeah. Near, what was odd about that is that thing bugs. And it wasn't only myself, a coworker stood next to me for probably 30 minutes and we handed binoculars back and forth to look at this thing. And it was so near Metro Airport in Detroit and above landing aircraft on a nice sunny day. It's I still, I, I've actually attempted to uh, FOIA the FAA to get control tower audio, and which the reply I got from them was uh, audio from that time does not exist, and which is little, little, just you know, disturbing. But wow. I, both of us cannot rationalize what we saw that day, and we watched this thing for about thirty minutes, travel to the southwest against a twenty mile an hour wind, and never deviated course ever. That is such a fascinating show. I a uh, story. I remember you telling me this before, and uh, I I love this this story because you're someone that really didn't have an interest in this topic at all, and you just happened to witness thing this thing as a professional. So absolutely, it, yeah. I worked like three miles from the airport, uh, pretty large. I'm in charge of a pretty large facility, and stared out my office window and saw something. It did take the binoculars to really get it in focus, and. Uh, but we both stood there and couldn't figure out. And my logic with the best guess would be a balloon, but a balloon can't maintain course against a 20 mile an hour wind. And this, right. it, was, it looked metallic and it looked pretty, it looked fairly large, but that is hard to discern, you know, up in did the you, air. I know, I know I asked you this last time, but did you ever try to take pictures? I know you, you could only see through yeah. the binocular probably. Is that, is that the reason why yeah, you didn't get them? Binocular, yep. Through the binocular, you could make the shape out. You could tell it was it was uh, a large cylinder from the looks of it, metallic from the looks of it. It glinted light like you wouldn't believe, and that's what caught our eye. And and I, I always I keep binoculars in my office. I I happen to just grab them, walked out, looked, and it. I I just can't understand it. And I know every aircraft that day, even though it was well above them, had to be concerned about what that thing was. And it also involved towards the end of it, when it was almost directly over our, our facility, uh, an F-16 flew from the north to the south, passing, again, above landing aircraft, uh, right above them, and flew to the right next to that thing. I mean, I took the binoculars down and saw the F-16 go right past it. So someone was interested in what that was. And was that, a, was that in a horizontal position, vertical? What was it doing? It was vertical. It was a vertical metallic cylinder. I sent you an image. That's uh, right. I do I, remember. Yep. Yes. That was Sorry. The we could find yeah. myself and a coworker pulled it up. It was in Europe, I guess. I, cause I Googled months and months went by after I saw we cited it and I'm like, what was that? And we started Googling it, looking at it. And I, I, I thought UFO was a, you know, a, a, you know, a disc. I never heard of a cylinder UFO. Do me a favor, yeah. Tony, if you would, can you resend that to me at Martinet podcast UFO? We have uh, Yuri on from Germany and I know it's probably costing him some money. So I'd, like to, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it. Bye. And uh, and please do send that to me, and I'll get that into the show notes so people can see that image. So uh, Yuri, we have you from Germany. Welcome to the show. Guten Tag. Hi. Hi thank there. Much. Guten Abend in Germany because it's in oh, Guten Abend. Guten Abend. Yeah. yeah. I had a, I had a German stepmother. That was a long time ago. <laughs> so, yeah, but anyway. Uh, uh, welcome. Yeah. 
Thank you very much. Yeah. So uh, what time is it there right now? It's pretty late. It's 15 minutes before 2. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I thank you for calling. Sure. I have a pretty interesting story, which happens a long time ago in the year 2000. I grew up in Germany, uh, in the countryside, in the deep countryside, and we were country boys. Mm-hmm. So I was at the year 2016 years old, and me and one of my best friends, both of us wanted this from school. So I told to, you know, my parents that I'm going to sleep by his place, and he said the same thing, and we just want to hang out outside in the woods and, you know, taking a walk and smoking pots and stuff like that. Okay, as we did. After, I think, late night, it started to be very late. We just want to stay outside all night. This was summer. And there was something above us. And I noticed that. There was like a shining aircraft. Looks like, I don't know if to say like a flying saucer, but I could not really say because it was uh, surrounded by like plasma light, like not like just a regular light, but like a liquid, like the light is by itself is a material. So we were very stressed out because I, we could, we were in my home area and we could not go back home because then my parents knew that I was a DJ and I'm not sleeping by his place and the same with it. So we were trying, anyway, we were just walking in the wood and trying to get rid of it to see if it's following us. And it was following us all night long. Mm. Until the, uh, the sunrise came. And all night long. So you that, dealt with this thing all night long. No, I didn't. I didn't. I don't know how to explain, but I didn't know how to feel about it when it was happening. Yeah, it was like it was interesting. I was curious in my mind and in his mind. Both of us were. It was like something that we believed that is existing, but. We understood what's going on, what's happening, but since then, since the morning, we have both of us lost of memories. And a few days after, we were speaking about it. But when we were speaking about it, it was after each one of us had a separate experience at night. Same experience, but uh, in different places. So my experience was that I was uh, living in the countryside, for, uh, first floor in my room, and there is a gap from the window down to the uh, uh, to the garden. It's about five, five or six meters, like 15 feet. Mm-hmm. And I was waking up in the middle of the night from my dream, and I was waking up into a light, a very bright light, that like a completely everything bright light and i feel like i'm floating in the air through my window and then i do not remember what happened since then i wake up in my bed the day after and and the window was open and i did not lift the window open i left the window closed and then i remember what was happening a little bit i have a very blurry memory about the pictures I just remember that I was like lying on some metal table, uh, got through some uh, surgical process, 
it was uh, probably, as I remember from my memory, it was like painful, but I could not move. I remember I was trying to scream, but it's like screaming outside of the atmosphere, you know, voice, like there is nothing. Like if you try to scream and you cannot do anything about it. And the same experience uh, my friend had. We were, we were speaking about it. And since then, we did not really want to think about it, but it's met me and four other friends after half, about half a year at the same area. But then there was not, not any interesting experience. It was about more, we went in the woods and then we saw that thing, the flying sorcerer again. And it looks exactly the same. It looks just more clear because it was not above me, it was in front of us. So we can see it like what, let's say like half a mile in front of us. And it was like egg-shaped, sh- egg egged. I think so because it's like it was very hard because it was surrounding material which made like a kind of lava or plasma or something like that, which was mesmerizing, mesmerizing. It was like you look at it and you cannot stop looking at it. It was something weird. And then I remember one of the friends were not hypnotized by that. We were four. And he was like, let's go, let's go. And I wanted to keep on watching that. And since then, I don't re- even remember what happened at the same night. And I don't, we didn't, we never really spoke about it anymore. So, Yuri, these if are, you, these are my experience. Yeah. Yuri, when, when you get off the line, if you would just email me at martin at podcastufo.com. I'd like to, like to ask you, uh, you know, just uh, connect with you and, and talk with you some more. And uh, we have one other person waiting. We only have about four minutes left. Yes. So just just a quick question. Um, have you ever thought about doing any, or your friends ever thought about doing any type of regression therapy, any hypnotherapy for, you know, uh, I know it can be tricky, but I'm just wondering if that's something you've ever considered. Well, my best friend that I had the really intense experience at the same night, he's, he's not, he's, he was suicidal. Like, I don't know committed suicide like 10 years ago and my other friends everybody lives in a different area in the world so it's like one in canada i have one friend maybe in canada he remember a lot of stuff so. but yeah i will email you and everything and let's see what's going on this is my story right. all these stories not something something that i live with it's fine it just it just makes me know that there is a lot lot of more than what we see and understanding but it also was a little bit disappointing because there is no answers. There's no any answers. I right. don't remember any communication, any information, anything. That's right. I know that is frustrating. Yuri, thanks so much for the call. Yeah. That was very interesting. Okay. Thank you. Very much. All right. You take care. All right. We have our, our last caller for the night, Terry from uh, Terry from Kansas City. Welcome to the show, Terry. We have just about three minutes. Well, man, I'll make it quick. Congratulations okay. on your 500 podcast. Thank you. And uh, I have like uh, seven observables in the sense that they've appeared classic as discs in the 50s early. Then there was acorn shape, uh, typical triangle shape. Now they've been flying wings. A lot of people have reported orbs. But the mm-hmm. tic-tac or cigar shape has seemed to be prevalent no matter what decade, all the way back to Lonnie in New Mexico as the policeman, he saw a cigar, tic-tac shape. And, of course, we have that today. Oh, and even the uh, Navy pilots have seen squares with translucent circles in the middle. 
So, yeah, the square, the squares in box shape is another one. A friend of mine saw a yeah. box shaped one. Yeah, with a with a trans, they could see through it. What's your theory on all the different shapes of different eras, except for the tic tac or cigar shape? Seems to be every decade, those sightings are prevalent. Yes, uh, I guess my theory. You know, people jokingly say, "Oh, yeah, it's a new New Year model or something." You know, the triangle used to be. I mean, the saucer used to be the only models, but. Uh, and I think that's, you know, just out of humor. But um, I tend to think that the shape of the objects have really nothing to do with them moving around. You know, I may be totally off on that, but um, I, I tend to think that, uh, I, well, for one thing, I have no idea why there are different shapes, but I tend to believe that um, shape has little to do with anything when it comes to wherever they're coming from. So, uh you but, think there are different, different, different eras of people traveling back in time, and that's the that's model they're de- using. Or that's definitely another theory. You know, if uh, uh, time travel is definitely another theory, and I, you know, I, I think it's all fascinating. Again, I have really no idea of what it is myself, but um, but I, I do. I, I I've always wondered a number of times, you know, why they are differently shaped the things that people are seeing and also, uh, you know, why they are showing themselves to us with lights at night, you know, that type of thing. None of it makes sense, but um, we are totally out of time at this point. But I do want to thank you, Terry. Bye-bye now. Bye now. Thanks. All right, everyone. So thank you so much for your calls. Thank you for participating. I really appreciate it. And we'll be back next week, as I mentioned uh, prior uh, with uh, Stan Gordon, always a fun guy to have on the show. And thanks again, everyone. And remember to keep your eyes to the sky.